Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Turn your Bibles this morning to John chapter 14 and 16. We're using the same two texts that we've used uh, in the past two messages. The series is entitled Engage. And today we're talking about engaging with the Holy Spirit and living in the Spirit. Francis Chan said it this way, in the forgotten God, reversing our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. From my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes, forgotten. While no evangelical would deny his existence, there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say they've experienced his presence or his action in their lives over the last year. And many of them don't believe they can. Well, this morning again, I came to tell you that Holy Spirit is real. He is alive. He is a third person of the Godhead. He's operating on a planet Earth. And he's here to fill you, to overflow you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to minister life to you, to heal you. Whatever you need, it's contained in Holy Spirit. Look at the scriptures with us this morning. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus, these are his words. He spoke these to the disciples, but they're very pertinent to us as well. I will pray the Father, he'll give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. I will pray the Father, he'll give you another, and another means just like me. In other words, Holy Spirit is like God because he is God. Another just like me. And he will send you the helper. He goes on to say in John chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Again, note, it's to your advantage, to your benefit, for your welfare, for your good. When Jesus Christ ascended back into heaven... Ten days later, Holy Spirit was poured out on the earth. You can read that encounter in Acts chapter 2. And it says in Acts chapter 2, the 120 were gathered in one room, in one place, in one accord. So how do we live in the Spirit and be constantly filled with the Spirit? By living in unity with other believers. It's a huge issue in the church today. Too many people wear their opinions on their shoulder, their feelings on their sleeve, and dare you to offend them. Well, may I tell you, if you're going to be here any length of time at all, I'm probably going to step on your toes at one time or another. This church is not for snowflakes. We're here to see believers mature and grow and become serious, dedicated followers, disciples of Jesus Christ. And that happens when we walk in unity, when we take advantage of everything that God has offered to us. Listen, if you're not coming on Wednesday night, shame on you. You ought to be here. This Wednesday is first Wednesday. I'll have a word for you and we'll have a time of worship. So be here Wednesday night, seven o'clock. All the other Wednesday nights, we have adult small groups, student ministries, young adult ministries, ministries of boys and girls, something to encourage you in your faith and help you to develop and grow and become more like Jesus Christ. 
So, don't moan to me that you're not growing, that you're where you always were, if you're not taking advantage of every opportunity Holy Spirit has provided for you. Now, you can say amen or say oh me. I don't care. Amen. We have to live in unity. And it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it swept through the place they were sitting. Then cloven tongues of fire descended on each one of them, and they began to speak in another tongue as the Spirit gave them utterance. And when we read the continuation of that story, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that enablement of the Holy Spirit, that infilling of the Holy Spirit was heard by those in Jerusalem and a crowd began to gather and they said, these men are drunk. They're nuts. They're crazy. We hear them speaking our own languages, Medes and Persians, and on and on it goes. And when we read that, then we recognize, catch this, don't miss this. When we live full of the Holy Spirit, he is an automatic magnet to those around us. When you live full of the Holy Spirit, people are drawn to you through him and by him. And they're drawn for a reason and a purpose. That reason and purpose is not so you can massage them, not so you can somehow ease or their feelings. That purpose is to bring them to Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit has come to reveal Jesus to each and every one. And it's up to you and I to be filled with the Spirit so that Jesus is revealed through him and through us. So I want to talk to you very quickly this morning. Well, I don't know about that. But I want to talk to you this morning about six ways to be filled with the Spirit every day. To live in the Spirit. Last week we talked about two of them. Number one, be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. Number two, be purified by the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6.19-20. And let me pause just here and say it again. If there is something in your life that is a wall, something that is a divide, that's keeping you from the fullness of God, today is the day that you repent, you lay it down, you walk away, and you never pick it up again, and you live then in the fullness of Holy Spirit. You say, well, this habit has been for years. Well, God is a God who can break habits and break chains and set you free. But here's the catch. It requires you making a decision, exercising your willpower, and determining I'm walking away from this frequent and familiar sin, and it will never control my life again. See, God's there waiting. He has all the power. He's just waiting on you to say, today's the day, Lord. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to repent of it. And I'm going to be set free. And then you walk out of this place set free. But often before you even leave the doors, the devil's on your shoulder telling you that wasn't real. Come on, you need a drink. You need a cigarette. You need a hit. Come on, you need to look small pornography. Come on, you need to cheat somebody, lie to somebody, steal from somebody. He's there telling you those things. And then you have to have the courage and the strength and the resolve to stand up against him and say, get thee behind me, Satan. You are not ruling my life or controlling my life in this area any longer. God has set me free. So it requires the power of God and exercise of your will to see deliverance in your life. God has all the power in the world. You could have been delivered years ago. You just chose not to be. 
Love the way you're shouting now. When we live in the Spirit, we are purified by the Spirit. And that means things are removed from our lives that should not be there. And when we move something out, what are we doing? We're making room for Him. We're making room for Him. So make room today. So number three, this is where we're at this morning. Serve according to the spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit has given you. Everybody loves that, but folks, I'm here to tell you, if you're a born-again believer, if you're living for God, you need to be involved in serving the kingdom of God. Christianity is not a spectator sport. We have way, 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 way too many people who are receiving and receiving and receiving and never giving back. The kingdom doesn't expand until we step in and say, Lord, put me in the harness and let me serve you. Let me do something for you. We need greeters. We need ushers. We need people in children's ministry, student leaders. On and on I can go. The prayer team needs additional people there. We can go on and on and on. See, the kingdom of God is not a microcosm. The kingdom of God is huge. It's expansive. And there's room for every one of us. Jesus gave us the parable of the talents. He talked about the guy he gave five to, the guy he gave two talents to, and the guy he gave one to. He said, take them and multiply them. You know the story, right? When the master came back, the guy that had five had made it ten. He multiplied the gift. The guy with two had made it five. He multiplied the gift. But the guy with one said, I knew you were a severe and a harsh master, and I didn't want to fail you. So I buried the talent in the ground and I give you back that one talent that you gave to me. Was the master pleased with that? Absolutely not. He wanted increase. Hear me. He wanted increase. He wanted increase. The only way the kingdom increases is when you engage with the Spirit of God, find a place where you serve the kingdom of God, and advance His priorities, advance His will, and allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to be carried through your life. You know what, in that parable, what the Lord of the Master said to that servant? He said, you're a wicked servant. You're a disobedient, unfaithful servant. I told you to go to... To multiply that, and all you did was bury it in the ground. Now, I'm reading somebody's mail right now. Your talent has been buried way too long. It's time to dig it up, brush it off, take it out, and engage with the Spirit of God. There are some of you in this room that could be so profitable to the kingdom if you would just get outside of yourself and get in the Spirit of God. Let him fill you and flow through you, engaged by serving him in spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, people say, I don't have any gifts. You're wrong, you do. That's a lie of the devil, straight from the pit of hell. Stop believing, oh horns on his head. Stop believing him, put him in his place, and move into the place where God wants you to be. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul wrote, Every believer has been given at least one spiritual gift that is to be used to build up the body of Christ. And to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Did you hear that? Did you read it on the screen? Every believer has been given at least one spiritual gift. So don't tell me you have no gifts, you have no talents. See, I used that line years and years and years ago. 
I told the Lord, I can't preach. I don't like to speak in public. I can't sing. I can't play the piano. I took piano lessons in Bible school for three and a half years. And at the end of it, the teacher said to me, you probably want to find something else to do. This isn't your gift. I was glad he affirmed that. So I could quit struggling with what I wasn't gifted to do. Listen, some of you are out of place. You're not operating in the gift that God has given you. You're trying to be somebody else and imitate somebody else and do what they do. You know what happens then? Bad stuff. The devil has room to come in. He comes, he comes in and he ruins your life. He ruins your testimony. He convinces you that Holy Spirit is not real. The gifts are not real. And you're a failure. No, you're just out of position. You're out of place. Listen to me. The right tackle on a football team cannot play quarterback. The left tackle is not a wide receiver. We have to be in the position and in the place God has called us to be with the talent he's already given us. And some of you, you have so much talent, it's pathetic. I mean, it's just oozing out of every pore. You can do anything and everything. But you're only doing one thing. Folks, he gave one five talents and he said, bring me back ten. It's time for those of you that have multiple gifts to begin walking in them, exercising them, using them, and being used of God. Because everyone has a spiritual gift. According to 1 Corinthians 12, 7. We have to discover what God has given you and unleash them for God's glory and for God's purposes so that the kingdom will expand. Let me tell you what Romans chapter 12 says. Paul wrote this as well, beginning in verse 6. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. This is from the Passion Translation. So if God has given you the grace, given you grace for the gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of your faith you have to prophesy. It's a scary thing, I know. But we need to do and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 8. Excuse me, verse 7. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace, the gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. Now, listen, if you're a sad face, you're always down and depressed, you do not have the gift of encouragement. You need to be encouraged. So get around somebody that's positive, that's upbeat, that smiles, that's full of the Holy Ghost, and let it rub off on you. Amen. If you have the gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then you may prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. Well, I like that. Too many times we want to give, but we want everybody to know what we've done. Do it without any fanfare, without any applause, without any acknowledgement. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. If you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. By the way, next Saturday we're back at Princetown, 10 a.m. here at the church. We need some folks with compassion. Because that community needs Jesus Christ. Come on out and join us next Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, and we'll reach Princetown. And then Paul went on to talk about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 6, going through verse 11. He said, the same God 
distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. Who is he? Holy Spirit. He energizes and activates the gifts he's given you. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. What does that mean exactly? It means when you read and study the word and you have an aha moment, you need to share that with somebody. You need to tell me, see what God has shown me through his word. This is unbelievable. I've read it a hundred times, but today the light came on and I understood in a different way. He goes on to say, for example, the spirit gives to one the gift of the word of wisdom. To another, the same spirit gives the word of revelational knowledge. Now listen, these gifts have been so abused in the church. We need to understand how Holy Spirit really wants them to function through us. People have been turned off and pushed away because of the abuse of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When we're praying for you, sometimes there will be a word of revelational knowledge. Sometimes there will be a word of wisdom that brings direction and guidance into your life. We need to hear that, understand it. And while I'm on the topic, I've said this many times, but let me say it again. You shouldn't allow anyone to speak into your life that you don't know their life and trust them. You should not, ever. Well, how do I get away from it? Just say, thank you, sir, but no thank you. Thank you, ma'am, but no thank you. They're going to say you're not spiritual. Let it ride. It doesn't matter. You do not want anyone speaking into your life who you don't know their life and their walk with Jesus Christ. We've got to get that in our foundational belief system. That I want to hear from men and women who hear from God. Not from the joker down the street who uses it for profit and monetary advantage. The gifts of word of wisdom, word of knowledge. He goes on to say in verse 9, to another the same spirit gives the gift of faith. Now that isn't faith to believe, that's supernatural faith. That's faith that said, stretch out your rod and the waters are going to part. That's faith that says, strike the rock and the water will come from it. That's faith that does miraculous things in the life of the believer. We need to pray that God would use us in the gift of faith. Elevate us to that supernatural faith that works in our life every day. And to another, the same spirit gives the gift of healing. The gifts of healing. Oh, come on, folks, when you come for prayer, you've got to believe that he is able, and you've got to trust that God will administer that gift to bring healing into your life. And to another, the power to work miracles. To another, the gift of prophecy. To another, the gift to discern what the Spirit is speaking. To another, the gift of speaking different kinds of tongues. And to another, the gift of interpretation of tongues. And remember, it's the same Spirit who distributes, activates, and operates these different gifts as He chooses for each believer. I wanted to read that verse for one reason. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not yours. They're His. They reside in His. And He distributes us to each and every one as we need them. I can tell you that over the years of ministry, I've operated in all nine of these gifts. Depending on the circumstance, the place, the time, the need, Holy Spirit comes and releases that gift. Because His desire and your desire should always be to reach someone through Jesus Christ 
by activating and operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand these are gifts given to us and we have to work in them. So we serve according to the gifts God has given to us. And we understand that every single one of us have a gift from Holy Spirit. Sometimes more than one. And we are responsible to accept that, to operate in it, to activate it in our lives and to let it move through us. See, this isn't just a church thing. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are meant to touch the world, to reach the lost, to bring the unsaved to the reality of the power of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not so you or I can stand up and say, look at me, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, I'm an evangelist, I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher. I flow in the gifts of healing, the working of miracles. I have the gift of, no, that's not what it's about. It's not about titles and positions. It's not about applause and acclaim. It's about submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit and letting Him flow through your life to touch someone else. And until we do that, we bench ourselves. We sideline ourselves. We never get in the fight. Do you know why we need gifts of the Holy Spirit? Because we're engaged in warfare. And we have to have supernatural enabling to defeat the powers of darkness. You'll never defeat Satan by the words out of your mouth or through your own power, your intellect, or your ability, your education. You'll only defeat him by the power of the Holy Ghost flowing through your life and anointing descending upon you and you seeing him use you. Use you. God, would you use these people? Use us. Release the gifts of the Spirit over this house. Let these gifts operate within us every time we're together and Monday through Saturday as well. Serve in the gifts of the Spirit. Number four, demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. You see, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your life changes. You're not the same. Your actions, your habits, your attitudes, your behaviors... All of that changes. Interesting. <clears throat> when I start talking about life change, a battle occurs. Why? Because the devil is quite happy with you coming to church. He's not happy when your life is transformed. He's not happy <clears throat> when things begin to fall off and fall away. So when I talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we have to recognize it means something is changing in us. <coughs> that it's an inside job. Let me say it again. It's an inside job. Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, the things that naturally flow out of man, unregenerate man, unsaved men, people who have never came to Christ, the things that naturally flow out should never flow out of a spirit-filled believer. What are those things? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery or rebellion, idolatry, 
witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. These things should not be. You need to hear those words again and realize that so often the things we're struggling with are coming because we are not demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit. Paul said sexual immorality. I hit on this last week. We should probably hear it every week. If you're living together, it's sexual immorality. If you love each other, come and we'll get you married. Now, I'm just going to do a ceremony. We're going to put you through a premarital counseling course so that you will know, you know, you know, that's the one. And if you won't submit to that, you're not serious about marriage. It's wrong to sleep around, married or unmarried. You've got to get that in her heart. But I love him, you said. Well, then, wait till you're married. I'm talking to this group over here specifically. I know the pressures. I know what you face. I know the temptations. Wait. 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 The reward is greater when you wait. When I read that list of things, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, I thought, Man, that sounds like a presidential campaign. <laughs> See it every day, hear it every day. God deliver us from demon-inspired leaders and take us to men and women full of the Spirit of God who will stand against the evil of the day. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I can assure you that every person in this room who's a born-again, spirit-filled believer, there's one of those things you need to keep working on, keep allowing God to help you with. I'll be open and honest. Patience is my stumbling block. I've never been a patient person. And I don't pray for patience because you know what happens when I do? Something that's going to try my patience comes in front of me. We need to understand that each of these fruits of the Spirit are evidence to those out there, to the world, to the lost and to the dying, to your family, to your friends. The change has happened in you and is happening every single day. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that if you speak in the tongues of men and angels, but you don't have love, you're as a banging gong and a tinkling cymbal. In other words, you're just making noise if you don't have love. You can stand and prophesy all day long, but if you don't have the love and the compassion to reach someone that's down and hurting, you're just making noise. Be motivated by that love, which is the first fruit of the Spirit. Number five, pray in the Holy Spirit. 
Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To the end, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. To pray in the Spirit means to follow His lead. Let Him guide your prayer life. So many times though, our prayer life looks like this. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me this, and I'll thank you for it. Amen. Talk to you tomorrow. No, led by the Holy Spirit. Led to intercede. Led to plead. Led to cry for the lost. Led to move, moved with action to someone that God puts in your mind as you're praying. Reaching out to them with compassion. Praying in the Spirit. Number six, go with the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. So we like the first part. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you'll receive power. But we stop right there because we don't like to be witnesses. Come on, folks, if God has done something revolutionary, life-changing in your life, shouldn't you be excited about it? If he brought you out of darkness into light, if he pulled you out of the miry clay and set you on the rock to stay, if he's done anything for you, if he saved you, delivered you, set you free, healed you, filled you with the Holy Ghost, isn't that something to tell somebody about? Come on, I want to motivate you in 2024 to do what God is asking you to do, to reach who God is putting in front of you, to open your mouth and share with boldness the truth and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That cross isn't just a piece of jewelry. That cross isn't just to be hung around your neck in gold or silver. That cross said there is a man God, Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, rose again from the dead, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. That cross says there is power in Jesus' name. And no matter what has you caught or trapped or held, there is power in the blood of Christ to set you free. Come on, folks, it's time to open your mouth. Don't shy away, but press in. Go with the gospel, Luke 24, 48 through 49. Jesus said, you're witnesses of these things. I am sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. You know the cool thing? When there's someone placed in your path and you can speak life to them, that's God working through you. That's Holy Spirit working through you. So begin to allow him to work. Tom, would you come back, please? Two groups of people in this room I want to speak to as we conclude this message. One, Christians, both here in this room and online, those who will watch in the days, weeks, and months ahead. And we have far more people who watch our services after they're live than we do live. People from across the country and around the world. I'm always getting messages. Oh, man, I heard that. God touched my heart, touched my life. That encourages me. Let's know God is working in us and through us. People who need to surrender to the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I, I walked in altar, asked for forgiveness, I'm saved. Yeah, but that's not the end point. That's the starting line. You got to get the power of the Holy Spirit through submission in order to make it across the finish line. 
You say, well, I have Holy Spirit when I got saved. Well, the question is, does he have you? Does he have you? Maybe you've been living in your own power, your own might, doing what you think is always right. You've been saved by grace, which is a gift of God, but now you're trying to perfect the walk with Christ in your own grit, through your own wit. Paul said to the Galatians in Galatians 3, 3, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Yes, you were born again. Yes, the Spirit of God came to you. But that's not where it stops. That should develop a hunger in you for more of Him. For a greater and a deeper relationship. It should drive you into the Word, which speaks life to us every day. And you'll have those aha moments as the Holy Spirit reveals God's Word to you. Surrender everything to him right now secondly i'm talking to those who are not believers in this room you're not saved if you were to die this afternoon you would split hell wide open listen i don't care what culture tells you there is a heaven and there is a hell and there's only one way to get out of the destiny of hell and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. You can't think yourself out. You can't plan yourself out. You can't determine you're not going to go there. You can't be educated enough. You can't have enough influence and compassion in the world around you to escape hell. It doesn't matter how good you are if you don't know Jesus. Goodness will not get you to the kingdom of heaven. Goodness will get you the applause of men, the accolades of those around you, but it will not get you into heaven. The only thing that takes us out of the destiny of hell and gives us the destiny of heaven is through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There is no other options. There are no other avenues to heaven. Culture tells you there's many ways. Some preachers tell you there's many ways. I've come to tell you there is one way. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Today, you need to stop fighting him and surrender to him. Ask him to forgive you, to change your heart, to change your life, and to dwell within you. Because if you don't put your faith in God, you're living in a very precarious situation. At any moment, the trumpet could sound, the dead in Christ should rise first. And we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet him in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. But if you don't know him, if you haven't placed your faith in him, you won't be a part of that group. You'll be left behind. You'll be left behind. Heaven is real. It's wonderful. I don't have time to describe the glory of heaven. Hell is real. It's horrendous. I don't have time to describe to you how terrible it really is. But the scripture tells us it's a place of complete darkness. A place of fires that never cease place of gnashing of teeth can you imagine your eternal destiny being total darkness can you imagine burning forever and ever can you imagine how horrible it would be 
to say no to Jesus today and die tomorrow. How horrible that would be. John 16, 8 through 11 says, when he comes, he'll convict the world of sin concerning sin of righteousness and of judgment. The word convict means to prove one is wrong. And he does it three ways, three ways. Through sin, because they don't believe in him. He convicts you of your unbelief. You need to admit you're a sinner. And according to this sin, this verse, the biggest sin you will ever commit is not believing in Jesus Christ. Let that soak for just a moment. It comes concerning righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He is our standard for right living. You have to admit you're unrighteous. And then concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. His fate is already determined. Satan will be bound and cast into the pit, never to be released again. His fate is certain. God has already judged him for his rebellion. Escape that judgment by following Jesus Christ. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ paid the price for all your sins and all of mine. And when we repent, when we receive him, he declares you're righteous. He says you're a son or a daughter of God. He says you're on the way to heaven. He says the Holy Spirit now resides within you. Stand your feet with me this morning, please. So many times we get so confused of what we hear from the world. We were with one of Yvonne's nieces and her husband this past week. He asked me, do you watch the news? I never watch the news because I have a better word, a word of life, a word of promise, a word of hope. Watch the news, all you're going to do is get discouraged and depressed because it tells you how bad our world is. It also tells you how bad our world needs a Savior. We're not going to bow our heads. We're not going to close our eyes. We're simply going to respond. If you're here this morning and you're a believer who needs to completely surrender your life, there's something you have allowed to keep you from all that God has for you. There is a wall there, a dam that needs to come down. That's you. Tom's going to sing in just a moment, but you don't have to wait till he sings. You can step out and come right now. Complete surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Step out and come. God wants to do something in you in this room today. Second, if you don't know Him, if you never believed in Him, exercise faith in Him. Today is your day to say, Lord, forgive me. Change me. Cleanse me. Change my heart, oh God. That's you. Just step out and come as Tom begins to sing. made it to the end of the message and now what is god leading you to make a change are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of christ then we invite you to join us at all nations church on sharer road in tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of god's word and the power of the holy spirit our sunday morning service is at 10:30 and wednesday night service at 7 
plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.